were playing in the garbage. I had to see it for myself. Hey, isn't it kind of early for spring cleaning? Yeah, I guess I've let things pile up around here. Maybe I can get rid of a few things. That was ripe. Can't remember the last time I used that. Oh, I don't think I'll get rid of this blueberry gum. It's my favorite. You know, Pluto, you really ought to get rid of that gum, too. Why? 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 Did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Why? I just wanted to know why I should get rid of my favorite blueberry burst bubblegum. And what are you doing here anyway? Well, that's easy. Blueberry bubblegum is not good for you. I remember when you used to be orange and beautiful, like me. Now, take a good long look at yourself. Blue is just not natural. Hmm. You're the same color as my old dried-up Play-Doh at home. For your second question, I'm here to let everyone know that this weekend is brought to you by the letters 1 and 2 and the number E. Huh? Huh? Oh, I always get those mixed up. Why? Why? It's the letter E. What does the letter E stand for? Um, I don't know. Why don't you ask that guy over there? I'm out of here. I'm not going to get blamed for littering. Well, you didn't, you didn't turn down the wrong corridor and wind up in children's church this morning. You are, you're uh, in the main service. And we're starting a brand new series called um, Eight Success Street. You know, the reason why we're, we're calling it 8 Success Street is this, of course, is the first Sunday of the new year, and it is 2008. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are significances to numbers in the Bible, and the number 8 in the Bible is always a number of new beginnings. And so I, I thought, what, what better idea than for this to be the first weekend, the first series of 2008, what better idea than for us to talk about new beginnings in the year 08, because eight is the number of new beginnings. For instance, if you think about the days of the week, there's seven days in the week, and so, you know, you go to a new week on the eighth day. And if you're musical, you know the notes of the musical scale. You know, you start with C, D, E, F, G, A, B. There's no H in music. You start right over again because eight is a number of new beginnings. God's just kind of worked things out that way. So a lot of us are experienced with that. Uh, you know, with every new year, we sort of have this impetus within us, this push to, to start things over again. We even write what we call New Year's what? Resolutions, yeah. We, we, we're going to do things better this year. Jan, there's a natural rhythm to life, and the beginning of a new year seems to be an opportunity for us to like advance and, and build. And that's what we're all into, right? We're all building a life. Every person in, in this room today, no matter what your age is, you're, you're building a life. And if you're married, you're building a marriage. If you're a parent, you're, you're building a family. If you, if you work, you're building a business. If you, if you love God and what God is doing in the world, you're part of building a church. Every one of us is building a life. We're building something. 
But for all of us who have tried to start life over again, and you, you walk in today and you hear that I'm going to talk about this, this new series called 08 Success Street, in which I'm going to give five talks, and these talks have the power to revolutionize your life. My guess is, if you're like me and you're sitting here listening to that, you, you have a couple of emotions. One emotion is you have sort of a moderate hope that maybe something like that could even be true. And, and, and you're feeling that natural rhythm of this being the first Sunday of a new year, and you're saying, well, it sounds kind of good. Mark's on a topic that I might be moderately interested in, the idea of doing a little better and, and taking another step and building my life a little better. And so the first emotion that I would have is I, if I was sitting out here listening to me, I would say, well, that's, that's kind of good. I'm glad to hear that. But my second emotion is not a good one. There would be a healthy dose of skepticism because, for one thing, I would ask, how is Mark going to talk to me about revolutionizing my life in five weekends? You know, you hear preachers talk like that or speakers or motivational speakers talk like that, and you think, I don't really know about that. Five weekends, could that really revolutionize my life? So there would would be, if I were listening to this, a little bit of skepticism. But there's a bigger reason why I would have skepticism if if I were hearing this you know, the beginning of this talk that I'm giving today, and that would be, I've tried this before. You know, I've tried this New Year's thing before. I said, you know, I, I'm fatter than I was this time last year, so I'm going to lose weight. seems like every third commercial on television is about an exercise product, it's about a diet, or it's about some way to, you know, to get in better shape and lose weight. And so I, I've had that, that's been on my list before. And only to get to the end of the year and think, you know what, I think I weigh more than I weighed last year. And to have good ideas and, 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 and new beginnings in my life, you know, this year I'm going to do this and I'm going to stop doing this. And by February, they've all gone down the drain. And I find myself saying, same old song. You ever get that way? You know, same old song. I had New Year's resolutions. There they went. So if I were listening to me start this message today, I would be moderately hopeful that maybe I might learn something that might actually advantage me. But on the other side, I would be skeptical and I would say, I don't know that five weekends is going to be enough for Mark to talk to me about how to revolutionize my life. And most of all, I've tried a lot of this stuff before and it didn't work. It's the same old song. I've tried to build and it didn't work. I want to like talk to some of you who've been following God for a long time. I know that in our congregation, we have a lot of people who come from various backgrounds, and there's some who've been a God follower for a long time. Others of you, you've just started in your journey. Some of you are just not really sure you're there yet, and you're open to God, and others of you may come in, you know, and, and not even believe in God, and that's wonderful. We're just glad everybody's here today, and I hope you always know that when you come into New Spring Church, that no matter what your background is, that you're going to feel at home and that you're going to learn something that's going to help you in life. But I want to talk to those of you who followed God for a long time, and you know a lot about the Bible, you've learned a lot, you've listened to a lot of messages, and you've had moments in your life when you've really felt closer to God, and you've said to yourself, now I'm really going. Maybe it was Judgment House. You just had such a wonderful experience with Judgment House, and you said, hey, I really think I've got this God thing down now. Or maybe it was at a special service, or maybe you had a time in your life when things went wrong and it drew you closer to God, and you said, I've really got this God thing down now. But you look back and it's like, I don't think I've made any progress at all. It's the same old song. So why is that? Why do we have the best of hopes and the best of aspirations and high goals? Why is it that we just don't seem to progress like we would like to? Well, there's an answer in the Bible, and I'm going to read you just a verse of Scripture from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4. And just to give you a little background, the people in the book of Nehemiah were building, just like you and I are building lives and families and marriages and businesses. They were building, except in their case, they were building a wall. 
And they were building a wall around their city. And that was very important because the re- reason why their city lay in ruins and that they had been taken away into captivity was that marauders had come and knocked their walls down and stolen everything in their city and carried them away captive. And so now, in order to regain equilibrium and regain security, God had opened the door for them to come back and rebuild the walls. That was the first thing on the agenda because before they could build the city, they had to build the walls. But every time they tried to build, just like some of us try to build, every time they tried to build, it didn't work. And the same thing happened so many times, they actually turned it into a song. I don't know. I don't know why you would write these lyrics in a song, but I think it was like us. I think they were saying, same old song. Because when they tried to build, it didn't work. And here's the song that they sang in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10. They said, the strength of the workers is failing. There is so much rubbish that we're not able to build. Why were they not able to build? Why are you and I not able to build? What, what, what trips us up all the time? It's just what we read about. It's rubbish. It's trash. It's stuff that lays strewn in the way of our lives that, that causes us to say, same old song. And so I, this, is the, you know, I, this is to me the most important of the five weeks. And I'm not going to deal with the, be- the best topic because in the next four weeks, I'm going to just share with you some mind-blowing stuff of how you can revolutionize your life. But the reason why I say today's topic is the most important is you can't do any of the rest of these things until you deal with this first one. And as you heard the the Muppets say today, the message today is brought to you by the letter E because today's message says, empty the trash. If you want to go forward in your life, if you want to build, you got to empty the trash. Remember the song these guys sang was, we can't build, we keep failing because there's so much trash in our lives. You got to empty the trash. Well, I thought about this the other day. I was driving through one of our neighborhoods here in, in, in the east side of Wichita. It was a nice neighborhood. Homes probably start around 200,000, go up to around 500,000. A nice neighborhood, beautiful homes. And there was someone in this neighborhood who was selling their house. And they were actually moving away because I saw the moving truck there. And, and as I looked, it was a really, really pretty home, nice home. Their yard was covered with black trash bags. I mean, I, I don't I have no idea how many trash bags there were. I'm guessing, I, I'm, I'm not even going to guess. I mean, there, you couldn't see any grass. All you could see was trash bags. And I, I looked at that, and I thought, well, that, that's kind of par for the course. I moved not too long ago, and I think my yard looked like that. But it's like God just sort of like, and, and, and when I say God talked to me, I'm not talking about God like talking to me out loud. I'm saying it was like God just sort of like prompted thoughts in my heart and my mind. I thought about three things. First thing I thought about was, those people have been living with all this trash in their house. If they're leaving it out there for the trash man to come pick up, at one point, this trash was in their house. The second thought that, that, that I, I had at that moment was they didn't want to carry it with them. Moving is tough, right? I don't like to move. And, and, and moving is a challenge within itself. It's expensive. It's difficult. You know what these people decided? They decided we don't want to carry this stuff with us. We don't want to carry our trash. And the third thing was, they decided they didn't want to take their trash to their new location. It was like, when I thought about those things, it was like God just talked to me and said, Mark, that's what I want you to learn. And because God is teaching me, I'm teaching you. I've told you guys for 23 years as your leader here, I've told you guys, you're not listening to a teacher. You're listening to another student. I'm just one lesson ahead. And I don't think God wants us to learn that today. You know, God doesn't want us to live with trash in our lives. I thought about those people who were living there. You know, if you build a home today, chances are building costs are going to be between $90 and $100 a square foot. 
And I don't know how many square feet that trash covered up, but I thought to myself, looking at that home, that trash was covering up some pretty expensive space at 90 to $100 a square foot. You and I have some trash in our lives. And you know, our space is worth so much more than 90 or $100 a square foot. You were made by God. God made you who you are, gave you your personality. God implanted within you possibilities and gifts and strengths that are awesome. With God's help, they are infinite. That is why God says, I can do, speaking of we human beings, we can do all things through Christ, Christ who strengthens us. God made you with some very pricey space. He made me with pricey space. And anytime we have any trash in our lives, that trash is covering up some very expensive space. And then I thought about this. You know, life is difficult. I mean, how many, of, I mean, maybe there's somebody here who would say life is easy. Life is a piece of work, Chance, a piece of cake. Chances are you haven't been living very long. But for those of us who have been living for a while, life is hard. And my life is tough enough without carrying trash with me everywhere I go. And then there's something else that I want you to think about today. I don't know every person in this third service. I wish I knew everybody's name. I wish I knew all kinds of things about you. I do with some. But there's some of you I don't know today. But one thing I know about every person in this room who is a God follower, I know that in 2008, God wants to take you to a whole new level. God loves you very much. You don't need to run from God. You need to run to God because God has wonderful plans for you in 2008. And friend, let me tell you, the place God wants to take you in 2008 is so wonderful, you don't want to take any trash there. You want to empty the trash. So I began to think and pray about this on this first service of the new year. And I began to ask and think to myself, how do you empty the trash? I know how I empty the trash at my house, but how did I empty the trash in my life? And the more I began to think about emptying trash, the more the principles came to me that they're all the same. You know, think about this. If, if, they're, if, they're, if you want to empty the trash in your life, there are just really three things that you need to do. Now, why do pastors always have three points in a sermon? I have no idea why that is. But, but there are just three things that you need to do. Here's the first thing. It's very obvious. If you want to empty the trash in your life, first thing you got to do is you got to bag it. Bagging identifies, doesn't it? Now, I thought about that family that had all these bags of trash in their yard, and it, and it hit me. You know what? They didn't have all this trash in bags inside their house. You know where it was? It was in closets. It was in cabinets. It was in the basement. It, 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 it was in their kids' room. The, the, the difficulty was for them, they had not identified it as trash. At the moment they, they got ready to move, they said, hey, you know, we don't really know if this is something we want to keep, if this is something that we want to give away. How many of you have been through the same process of moving or whatever, and you've, 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 you've thought about this, and for a while it's like a coin that's kind of like, you know, teared te- on the edge? And then finally you made a decision to say, hey, I, I, this is just trash. There's something about bagging trash that identifies it as trash. So if you want to empty the trash in your life, that's the very first thing you have to do. You have to bag it. You have to identify trash. So how do you identify trash in your life? Well, you got to think about what happens in my house and, and, and how I identify trash. And first thing I thought about is, you know, uh, sometimes you identify trash by something that was good at one time, but now it's gotten bad. At one time it had value, but now it doesn't have value anymore. You know, time is the enemy of a lot of stuff, isn't it? And time is the enemy of milk. 
And so, you know, when you, you know, how many of you cleaned out your refrigerator and you're saying, good night, look at the expiration date on that. That was six months ago. <laughs> you know, we say, I hope nobody drank that. <laughs> you got stuff like this in your life. I got stuff like this in my life. You know what it represents? It represents stuff in our past. Things that we could have done, should have done, might have done, wish had happened. And for some reason, it stays around long after its expiration date. And we grieve over it, and we hassle ourselves over it, and we make life difficult on ourselves, and we keep going back and visiting it. And the reason why we tend to do that is because we had investment in it. At one point, we invested heavily in this, but now it's gone bad. Now listen, you're listening to a genius right now. I want to tell you right now, you are listening to a real genius, and you come to listen to me for real deep thoughts like this. Here we go. You ready for this? Bad milk doesn't go good. Isn't that deep? <laughs> you should have been laughing when I said you were listening to a genius. But let, let me. <laughs> bad milk doesn't go good. You can leave it in your refrigerator forever. And you're saying, well, just maybe my chemicals are going to work different from other people's chemicals. And my milk, it was bad. It's gone way past the expiration date. But my milk is going to go good. I'm going to leave it there. You know, I got to tell you today, I honestly believe a lot of us live in that place. There were things that we wish had happened in our lives, and they didn't happen. I mean, after all, who really has a life like you, like you think you're going to have? A little girl thinks she's going to grow up to be a ballerina. A guy, a kid, grows up, thinks he's going to play, be MVP for a pro football team. Who really lives life that way? I mean, isn't it true that we start off with dreams and aspirations, and it isn't long before the edges start breaking off those dreams? And we start getting into the real world? How many of us reach back, though, for what we wish would have happened, could have happened, should have happened, might have happened, and the problem with it is it's gone bad, and it's not there anymore? Let me get a little sensitive for a moment. How many of us, when we had kids and we held that baby in the hospital, we said, my kid is going to be perfect? Other people's kids are brats, but my kid's going to be perfect. My kid's going to be straight A's in school. My kid's going to be captain of the football team. My daughter's going to be the brightest girl in the class. And, 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 and my kids are going to grow up, and they're going to marry perfect mates, and they're going to have great careers, and they're never going to get into any trouble. And they're just going to, they're, they're going to, everybody is going to look at my kids and say, you got the best kids in the world. And now life comes along, and it's not like you planned. And some stuff has gone bad. How many of us, though, as parents... Every time we see our kids, it's like we throw it right in their face. Maybe we don't articulate it, but our kids feel it. They feel, they feel our disappointment that they didn't come out, measure up. Yeah, I'm talking to some of you today. You're full-grown adults. You're 30, 40, 50 years old, and you're still carrying the baggage with you of how your parents treated you about not living up to their expectations. I'm talking to some of you. Your marriage fell apart, and I'm so sorry about that. My heart breaks, and I know that there's no grief. I've had friends whose marriages have broken up, and they've also lost loved ones, and they've said to me, Mark, it was tougher for my marriage to break up than for my mother to die or my dad to die. But now the time has passed, and your ex is remarried, and you've remarried, and your kids are going back and forth. And yeah, it shouldn't have happened, and you had given your life to have kept it from happening, but it did happen, and there's just something in your life that's gone bad, but it's like you keep going back to that place. You keep opening the refrigerator door, and your anger flares out again, and you're upset, and you're bitter, and you're losing days because something good went bad. It happens to all of us. And sometimes it's hard to let go of those feelings 
But you know, you can't, I was listening to one, one political candidate, his, you know, we have all these political candidates running for office, you know, the Republican, Democrat side, you know, they're all running for the, you know, in Iowa and New Hampshire and all this. And, and one candidate said, we're going to change history. He can't change history. And I can't change history, and you can't change history. There are some things in our lives that once were valuable, but they went bad. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you want to make a new start and you really want to build in 2008, bag it. Because when you bag it, you identify it. And there are just some things that have gone bad. They were good, but now they've gone bad, and they're never going to be good again. There's no reason for you to let it take up valuable space in your life. Bag it. Well, (laughs) There are things in our lives that never were good. They were always bad. <laughs> There's a reason why we call this junk food. You say, I mean, Saturday night service, some people argue with me. They said, Mark, ding-dongs are good. But they're not. It says cream filling, but there's no dairy product in there, I assure you. <laughs> Man, there's some stuff you should throw away in your house because it never was good. It wasn't good that went bad. It's just bad. Always was bad. All right, I'm talking to some of you today. And it's just like you got something in your life. It's messing you up, hassling in your life. It's taking up space in your life. It smells bad. And you got to be honest with yourself today and say, it never was really any good. You know, you, got, you started drinking when you were in junior high school because you wanted to impress your friends, but it caused you to get in trouble. And then you got into high school, and, you know, you, you found yourself waking up one morning on a hangover, hugging the toilet, talking to it. And then, you know, it caused you trouble when you got into college. And you went to keg parties, and you wound up having to just drop that class because you were out too much. And then you got the job, and you lost your first job because you called in. You said you were sick, but you weren't really sick. And now you're on your second DUI. And the thing of it is, if you were honest with yourself, you would have to say, you know what? It never was really any good. It was always bad. I can be talking to a guy here today. And he just like started getting into pornography, you know, when the Internet came around. And it made you feel creepy around your parents when, when they, you know, when you knew what you were doing. And, and then, you know, you got into a relationship and you started looking for that woman who was like the images in the pornography. And, and, and you found yourself with the wrong kind of people doing the wrong kind of things. And now your wife has caught you looking at stuff on the Internet and she feels like a piece of property and feels used. How about being straight? Straight up on that. And saying it never was good. It was always bad. Or maybe it's anger. Maybe you just didn't control your temper when you were little and you, and you grew up angry and got into fights. Then you, you, you know, as you grew up, it caused you to have trouble with relationships and then you lost a job because you lost your temper with a, with a boss and now you're kind of shoving your wife and your kids around. And if you were honest with yourself, you would say it never was any good for me. Or maybe you're a young woman who grew up insecure, and when you were a little girl, you thought all the other girls in class were prettier than you were, had more money and better clothes, and you grew up sort of angry about that and sort of envious and jealous, and now here you are. It messes you up with your relationships with other women because all you can do is look at, do they look better than me? Are they more prettier, prettier than I am, have better clothes, or they have a better house? And it just messes you up, and if you were honest today, you would say, that insecurity's never been any good. In my life and in your life, this one shouldn't be hard. I mean, because it shouldn't be hard to recognize this as trash. 
But the truth of the matter is, it's amazing, isn't it? How stuff that can never was good, it's not good now. We know it's not going to be good tomorrow. Isn't it amazing how so much of that stuff can stay on our shelves day after day? And we can walk right past it. Hey, if you want to empty the trash, first thing you got to do, you got to bag it. And just say, hey, that's trash. That's trash. Third category is a little tougher for me. How many of you, um, how many of you have ever, like, moved and your, your, your wife said to you, your husband said to you, why don't you just throw that old thing away? And you say, well, that's, that's important to me. It's just a category I'll call clutter. I mean, it's not, not really good or bad necessarily. You know, I, I've got a couple cell phones up here. One looks like this. I've got a bag phone. Man, can, how many of you can remember when this was high technology? I had a bag phone. I mean, it's like, you had to, it's like you had to build a machine in order to make a phone call. I think they cost, was it like $1,000? They were really pricey. So you know what? All of us know what technology is like. You know, you got that old computer tower or whatever, and you're saying, oh, that was really worth a lot. I remember when I paid $4,000 for that. But nobody would give you 30 cents for it now. But it's like, I'm going to keep it in my basement. And there went my other phone. I'm going to keep this in my basement. And because who knows, maybe someday it'll be worth something. And it's just clutter. I'm not talking about anything evil necessarily. Not necessarily bad. It's just, here's the way I thought of the, to best describe clutter. It is the stuff that stresses you out, wastes your money, uses up your time, and it makes you less than what you really could be. I got clutter in my life. Now, it's not that I'm sinning against God necessarily. It's not that I'm disobeying any command of God. It's just stuff that doesn't lead anywhere. You know, here's the thing. As I said at the beginning of this message, you have very, very precious life that God has given to you. Every day is a gift from God. I mean, God wants you to do great stuff with your life. But if we allow clutter, and by the way, doesn't clutter just come in before? I mean, in America, because of our affluence and our opportunities, clutter just rises. I think that family, and I have no idea who they were, who were moving, I would bet you peanuts to popcorn that a lot of the stuff that they bagged up and put in their front yard was in this third category. They just said, it's clutter. You know what? We don't want to take it to our new location. It's clutter. Today, I think that many of us have stuff in our lives that's just clutter, and we need to bag it. We need to bag it. And it's kind of hard to say goodbye. And this is a painful process sometimes because we remember what we paid for this, but we're just saying, you know what, we don't, we don't use this anymore. It's just taking up space. It's stressing me out, wasting my time, costing me money, and making me less than what I really could be. And so we bag it. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just going to talk about me for a moment. But something very powerfully psychological happens to me when I bag trash. Once I bag it, it's trash. Now, when I was trying to make the decision, it might have still had some value, but the moment I bag it, baby, it's trash. And I really believe that's the same thing that happens to us because we all have stuff in our lives that doesn't belong. It's not helping us. It's not going anywhere. It's messing us up, causing us to be upset. But as long as we keep it on the shelves of our life, well, maybe it's valuable, but I can promise you at the moment you bag it, you're going to say to yourself, you know what? I don't really need that. That is a powerful thing that happens in our lives. So, this is really deep, isn't it? Isn't this really complicated? How, what happens if you want to empty the trash in your life? Number one, you bag it. Because when you, bag, when you bag it, you identify it as trash. Number two, this is really deep too. What happens when you bag trash? 
You leave it in your house? You know, well, that'd be a dumb thing to do. So, well, I've gone through. I've got, I've got rooms of trash all bagged up in my house. And by the way, that's what many Christ followers do. We've identified something as trash, but we're saying, well, I'll hold on to it for a little longer. No. <laughs> When you bag trash, you kick it to the curb, don't you? You leave it out there for the trash guy to come pick up because that's what you do with trash. You have said by bagging, it is trash. I don't need it. It's, it's encroaching on, on important space in my life. So now I am going to kick it to the curb. By the way, did you know that's a biblical concept? Let me read you a couple of verses from the Bible. This is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. I want, I want you to hear this. The Bible says, so get rid. Do you hear those words? Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. What's God saying? And by the way, when you see that word, get rid of, I've looked at the Greek, the original Greek language. It means kick it to the curb. That is exactly what it means. God is just saying, look, be done with it. And then in, in James chapter 1, verse 19, James says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to get angry. I have problems with all three of those. Verse 20, this is not what my message is about, but boy, what a powerful line. It says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And that's true. When you and I get mad, we just stop doing God's work. But listen to this, verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. What is God saying? God's saying, once you bag it, get rid of it. You find hypocrisy in your life, God said, just bag it, get rid of it. You, you're deceiving people, you're lying, you're, you're deceiving your parents, you're deceiving your wife, you're deceiving your husband, you're lying to your boss. God said, stop that. You're a child of God, bag it, kick it to the curb. Now, again, I want to talk to some of you who grew up in church because a lot of times people who grew up in church, we sort of like build in some loopholes for our relationship with God. And we have this little game that we play. Only deal is God isn't in on the game and he doesn't like it. But one of the games that we play is this. When we know that something is not right in our lives, we'll pray a prayer that goes something like this. You ready? Dear God, I have things that are wrong in my life. Would you take them away from me? You ever pray that prayer? Do you realize what God would have to do to do that? He'd have to kill you. <laughs> God doesn't want to do that. He wants you to live. Jesus came to give us life, an abundant life. But, you know, we say, oh, God, please take this away from me. If God reached down and took it away from me, he'd have to slap you dead first. <laughs> but see, let me tell you why. And if, if you came in today and you say, Mark, I just have a problem with, with, with Christians because they tend to be hypocrites. And I'm sorry that's true. And it's somewhat true for all of us, and we don't, we don't want it to be. But in case you're wondering about that, th- this is the kind of thing that causes Christ followers to be a little bit hypocritical sometimes. We're like trying to deal with what we know is right, but our own weaknesses. And so we'll pray a prayer like that. God, please, I have such anger in my life. Would you please take this away from me? Let me tell you why we pray like that. We pray like that because what we'd really like to say is it's not something I have control over. And because I don't have control over it and I can't handle it, I'm going to pray and ask God to take this away from me. Look at the verses I just read. God didn't say, I'm going to come down from heaven and take away all your deceit and hypocrisy. But God said, you get rid of it. God said, you take care of it. You kick it to the curb. I mean, once you bag trash, the next thing to do is to get rid of it. You know, like I said, it changes my viewpoint when I bag trash and I put it out there. It's trash. I don't go chasing after the trash truck saying, oh, please bring my stuff back. It's trash. You kick it to the curb. 
You leave it with God. I didn't want to leave you with the wrong impression a few moments ago. Because I sure didn't want to leave you with the idea that God won't help you. I want to drill down now and I want to just make this so clear that all of us can understand it. There are some things that God will do and some things God won't do. God will not bag your trash. God will not take it out to the curb. That's for you to do. But the moment you identify trash in your life and you take it out to the curb and you leave it there, that's when God comes along. I don't know why this is. It's just how God works. God comes along and says, now I'll help you. Mark, now you're, talk, now you're thinking like I think. What I've called trash, you're calling trash. What I ask you to get rid of in your life, you're seeing that you want to do that. And God is saying, now, Mark, now, now, now I'm going to help you. I'm going to, I'm going to work in your life, and I'm going to give you strength that you don't have. Because I've talked to some of you today about pornography, and some of you guys are saying, I would love to get rid of this. It's a problem in my life. It's messing up my life. It's messing up my marriages. I'm terrified that one of my kids might come in and see me. And, and, and you feel that way, but in your heart of hearts, you're saying, I just don't know that I have the strength to break this addiction. I'll tell you this. If you'll bag it, and if you'll kick it to the curb, God will come along, and he'll give you a strength that you don't think you have. But he won't take those first two steps for you. You got to do that. Three things. If you want to empty the trash, number one, you bag it. Number two, kick it to the curb. And then number three, um, I've got to tell you before I give you number three. My wife makes me watch HGTV. I think HGTV is ESPN for women. That's all I can. And at first, you know, I'm thinking, because you know, we're sitting there watching that, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, people redecorating their houses. And I'm thinking, it looked better before they started. <laughs> they need to do an extreme makeover and put it back the way it was. But I kind of I watch it, and I'll, I've gotten to the place now. And please don't tell Mary Allen. She's in the starting point over there. I don't want her to know this. I kind of like some of it, okay? But don't tell her I said that. I want her to think I'm doing something really, really big watching it with her. That's probably trash I need to bag, isn't it? <laughs> God said, be done with deception. Did we just read that? <laughs> so I watch these people, and they got clutter everywhere, you know? And they like, they like bag it up, they, they take it out, and then they step back and they say, what can we do with that space now? Because that's the thing about getting rid of clutter. I mean, it it's like opens up all kinds of possibilities. Many of you, you've heard ministers talk about things that were not right in people's lives, and it's like, God wants to hit you in the head with a hammer unless you straighten up and fly right. Let me just tell you, what God wants to do is God wants to open your life to all new possibilities. But he can't, he can't use that space until we get the crud out and until we open it up and let God work in our lives. When you get rid of the trash in your life, it leaves space that God wants to use. Um, to illustrate, I got thinking about what God wants to do in our lives. And, and, and real quickly here, and I, I got to be really, really careful because if I'm not careful, I'm going to get into next week's message. And this is my third time to bring this talk. And I guarantee you, every time I get to this point, I'm just so ready to tell you about next week because next week is awesome. And, and I got to be careful not to. I actually had to end a couple of verses or else I'd have run over the top of it. But here's the thing. What God wants to fill your life with is so big. Do you know what he wants to fill your life with? He wants to fill your life with him. That's right. In the Bible, we're taught that God is three persons. He is Father. He is God our Father. He is Son. Jesus Christ is God. And He is God the Holy Spirit. 
just get into a little theology real quick and I'll get right back out of it. When Jesus was on the earth with his disciples, he said to them, I'm about to go away. And he said, it is good for you that I go away. And all 11 apostles and disciples who heard Jesus said that, so there's not a chance. How could we be advantaged if Jesus were to leave us? Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's just, he's, he's just like me. And he said, he is going to be in you all and with you all. Jesus, when he came to our, our world, he was God, but he limited himself to the physical restriction of a human body. He could be in one place at one time. But when God gave his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit is capable. He is unlimited. He is able to be every place all the time. Nobody said this better than Abraham Lincoln. And one of my favorite speeches that he made, he was standing on the back of a train talking to the people who lived in his town of Springfield, Illinois, and he was saying goodbye to them, and he would never see them again alive. They would never see him again. And Lincoln made this beautiful statement, and I think about it many times. As Lincoln said goodbye to the people in his hometown, he said, I commend you to the God, listen to this, this is wonderful, I commend you to the God who can both go with me and stay with you. That is the God we serve. He is an awesome God. You know what he wants to do? He wants to fill me. He wants to fill you. I mean, when you accepted God, when you accepted Christ, when you invited God into your life through the person of Jesus Christ, God's Holy Spirit came to live within you. But it's one thing to have God's Spirit in you. It is something else to be filled with God. And that's why the Bible tells us, be filled with the Spirit of God. But I can't be filled until I'm empty first. I have to get rid of the trash. I have to back it. I have to kick it to the curb. That way God can fill me with his Holy Spirit. Now I begin to think about something that I like to drink that is expensive. It is Perrier, which by the way is French for very expensive fizz water. (laughs) But I love Perrier. Can't afford it all that often, but I love it. It's just carbonated water. I know that. But man, look at this beautiful green bottle and this gold label. Isn't that pretty? I love Perrier. So you know, I got three glasses up here, and so if I'm going to get a drink of Perrier, which glass am I going to use? How about this one here? That's, it's probably relatively clean, I guess. doesn't smell bad or anything. I'm thinking there's probably something like Diet Coke in there. But I can't fill this glass up with Perrier, can I? Why? Because it's nearly full. And besides that, if I poured Perrier in here, what would this be? It'd be it really wouldn't be anything, would it? It would be some of what's already there and some Perrier, so I'm not going to drink out of this glass. I'll bet you thought I did this just for this sermon today, didn't you? You thought Mark told us his team he wanted something that was really dirty, and so the team created this. I want you to know this was already in existence. Somebody left some milk in a glass. Milk should not be a solid, I guarantee you. <laughs> But this is filthy. This is milk that has gone bad. (laughs) We won't be using this glass. But here's a glass that's clean. The only thing on it is my fingerprints from me on the outside. It's a clean glass. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pour some Perrier in there. I wouldn't drink out of this glass because it's already full. I won't drink out of this one because it's nasty. (laughs) I like that. I think we're going to start doing this every Sunday. (laughs) 
I drank that. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to pour some more in there. <laughs> now, do you know that's exactly what God wants to do in your life? Some of us, he wants to fill us up with himself, but he can't. It's not that we have anything nasty in our lives. We just got something there already. There's just clutter. There's just stuff. And God says, can't use that glass. There's others of us that he loves very much. But he can't use us. We got stuff in there that's nasty. We may be a a follower of God to some extent, and we might go to heaven when we die because of Jesus. But God can't use us. What God is looking for, he's looking for people that will bag the trash and kick it to the curb and say, here I am, God. I'm ready to go. Show me some exciting new things of what you want to do in my life. Oh, we're just getting started today. We've got four more weeks. I want to tell you, in the next four weeks, we're going to look at what God wants to put in your life. And I'm telling you, you will be turbocharged when this series is over if you will let God work in your life. This and I'm finished. Just, I said a few moments ago that I really need to be honest, right? Because the Bible says be done with this seat. So let's go back to Mary Alice and me. Because every once in a while, Mary Alice will say to me, Mark, I think we really need to clean this out. We need to deal with this basement. It's just we got a lot of clutter and junk in there. I have a statement that I say, which kind of like gets me off the hook for a little while. I'll say, I just don't know where to start. Isn't that, isn't that a great statement? I just don't know where to start. I'm like admitting it's a mess, but I don't know where to start. A lot of us are going to listen to this message today, and we know there's junk and there's trash in our lives, and we're going to say, oh, but I just don't know where to start. Now, listen, when I'm saying that, I'm lying. I do know where to start. There's, every one of us in this room today, we have trash in our lives. We, there, you know of at least one thing in your life that's trash. I'm going to challenge you. If you want to build, you bag it and kick it to the curb. Because God wants to do exciting things in your life in 2008. Let's pray. Lord, you alone know us. And you know the trash better than we do. Help us to bag it. Lord, just bring it to our minds. We want to do it, Lord. We, 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 we want to bag it. We, we, we're ready to kick it to the curb. And we know at that point you'll come and give us strength that we don't have. But, Father, would you, by your Holy Spirit, just help us identify stuff in our lives that's maybe good that went bad or always been bad or just clutter. We love you, Father. We want you to fill us. We, we want to be everything that you've destined us to be. Help us, please. In Jesus' name. While we're still praying. Everything I've talked about is totally impossible until God is in your life, until you have a relationship with God. How do you have a relationship with God? Is it by going to church? Is it by keeping the sacraments? Is it by baptism? Is it by giving money? How how do you have a relationship with God? Friend, great news here. It's an absolute gift. The Bible tells us that God paid for the things that we've done wrong by putting his son on a Roman cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, the way God saw it, somebody could say, well, I don't see it that way. It doesn't really matter. 
sin is against God. He's the one who's offended. He's the one who has to be mollified. The way God looks at it, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for everything we've ever done or ever will do wrong so that you and I might be in the fast lane to have a relationship with God. Here's the way God says it. Romans 10, verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you be willing to do that? I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to give an offering. I'm I'm just saying, would you be willing to call? Would you you be willing just to open, open your life to God and say, God, I believe. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that you want me to be in your family. And based on that, Lord, I'm calling, I'm asking. God never breaks a promise. When he says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, he means it. Would you be willing to call today? I'm going to pray a prayer. You don't have to use my words, but these words are a call out to God. And if you mean them from your heart and you're ready for it, would you just say these words with me in your heart? You don't even have to say them out loud if you don't want. Pray, please. God, I know I've done wrong. I believe Jesus paid for my sin. I believe he arose from the grave. And I'm asking Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a small prayer, but it's bigger than the universe. If you pray, God heard. I'd like to ask you to do something if you don't mind. This is a powerful step that you can take. When you came in today, you received a worship folder. There's a card that's detachable. If you pray with me to receive Jesus, I have a gift I want to give you. It's a packet with some DVDs and some information to help you know who Jesus is even better and how, you know, how to follow him. I want to give it to you. It won't cost you a penny. If you pray with me to receive Christ, if you put your name and address on there and check the box that says, I prayed with you, you can drop this card. Oh, by the way, some other things you can tell us too, how, you know, if, you, if you need us or want to learn more about something at New Spring, you can take this card and drop it in the offering plate. You can drop it in the boxes by the back doors, the bottom of the staircase. But if you're like me and you can't wait for anything, because I can't, if you want it right now, all you have to do is detach that card, bring it right back to guest services or New Spring store. You don't have to make a speech. You don't have to really tell them anything. You can just give them the card We want you to have this so bad you can take it with you today. It's just a little packet with DVDs and great information to help you know even better who Jesus is and about the decision you just made. I'm glad you're here. So, what have you learned today, Bluto? Uh, Maybe I should give up my blueberry gum. Hmm. Yeah, I remember a time before that gum when you actually had teeth. (laughs) <laughs> hey, 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 Walter, you better hold on to your dentures. That little blue feller's going to want to borrow them. <laughs> Frazzle, maybe you should get rid of that old, dried-up Play-Doh, even if it does remind you of me. Maybe you should get some fresh blue Play-Doh, something that's still useful. Oh, ain't that so cute. That blue boy gave up his gum. Ernest, what are you going to give up? Well, if you think I'm going to give up my eight-track tape player, think again. (laughs) I'll tell you what I'm giving up. I'm giving up watching this silly show. (laughs) 